Self-Help for Robots is now. Welcome to episode 21. Nope, I don't swim that way. And neither do the robots. That I know about. So let's chat. Tell me more at selfhelpforrobots.com. Welcome to Self-Help for Robots. I'm your host, CJ Pitchford, and I'm at a new location. Well, actually, the location isn't new. It's South High School, and it's been here for a while. Actually, I just got here, well, about two hours ago, as I am here for a county assembly. And uh, that's not important right now, though, as once I've checked in, then I don't have anything to do until the actual district that I live in meets later. On, and so that's going to be something else entirely. But hey, it is a lovely morning here in South Denver, here at South High School. And um, well, I wanted to talk about robots specifically. The two robots who had been helping me create music, um, well, actually, they're just uh, like assigned personalities and names, uh, like Neon Ian. Um, he's one of the uh, robot drummers that I used in the latest uh, music that I wrote called what was it called it was called solo um i should remember that because isn't there a movie by that name coming out or something but uh, no that uh, what i wrote was actually a take on the uh, music prelude to an afternoon of a fawn by claude debussy written more than a hundred years ago um but part of a series that i'm working on to take classical music and you know just kind of um riff play on it, do some things with it, including what I did with the work solo was that I looked at the um, music, as I said, by Claude Debussy, and I wanted to take the main motive um, in the very famous opening melody and jazz it up. Uh, I wanted to loop it around and then break it down. Um, But yeah, I also played some music last week called Bliss on the Go, um, which was inspired by Beethoven. Um, And right now I'm working on some new music based on the Enigma Variations um, by uh, Edward Elgar, and that uh, Elgar was a British composer who came up with some ideas for music um, that were really like little uh, vignettes of his friends, and they were um, actually labeled with the initials of friends, but the Enigma Variations is a type of theme in Variations, a, well, concept that goes way back, and of course, you know, something that we can all do is that when we hear something, we might try to make a change to it, but keep some of the same information, some of the same ideas going, um, even in that variation. And so typically a theme in variations would have a stated theme, and then that harmonic structure would be used, except when playing around modes and changing it from major to minor or vice versa. Um, and then, yes, making you know some changes uh, to the like style or to the surface of the music while keeping some of the same underlying assumptions like the harmonic uh, rhythms or harmonic um, like choices. But in the case of Edward Elgar's Enigma Variations, there was never a theme that was stated. It was a mystery. One was supposed to find out or discover um, 
if there was such a thing that uh, of this actual theme that would be like the foundation, the basis for his entire work, um, which is very famous, especially there's a section which isn't abbreviated, but just called Nimrod, which might be um, a nickname for one of Elgar's friends, Um, but this uh, selection of the music called Nimrod um, is very popular. It's it's like the most British piece of music ever written, (laughs) from what I've heard, and Um, What I'm doing, though, is not very British, um, as here I am telling you right now what it is that I'm doing and being very open about it. Um, And actually, I started one variation, and I wasn't really trying to do too much, but it didn't seem to work. And so, yes, I'm going to be writing Enigma variations on a theme, but instead of it being a mystery, I still will hide that theme, but what I'm doing is I'm constructing um, the music around a theme that only I play for myself, and that will never be heard by the uh, intended audience. But uh, um, So yeah, so that aside, I was talking about robots, and yes, robots are going to help me um, with that music as they've helped me with others, and when it comes to programming robot musicians, uh, we have a lot easier time defining artificial intelligence when it comes to music than perhaps in any other area. Although images and, you know, like... face recognition. That one is getting closer, but can still be pretty much uh, deceived, tripped up, or hidden. Um, And yes, I suppose that one could fool a robot musician, but really, when one is um, giving all the parameters that are needed um, for some music that then can be reproduced, um, then yes, it's almost like musicians themselves are kind of mechanical, and well, some people are, you know, criticized as being too wooden in their playing, too mechanical, too robotic, and um, not lively enough, not interesting or variations that um, provide... Uh, some sort of um, relief from the ongoing, uh, you know, like mechanic uh, drive of the, say, rhythm, Um, uh, just to name an example. Actually, uh, uh, in an interview yesterday, I was talking about um, something else that uh, where mathematically pure realizations in art just look awful. And in fact, uh, uh, it was something I learned, you know, really young, just in an art history book or something that showed me how a Greek temple, say an example like the Parthenon, um, would be horrible if it was a mathematically pure rectangle or use mathematically pure rectangles in its design. Uh, as when they did that, they noticed that, well, it, it would appear distorted. The Greeks didn't know, but that, yes, light was bent through our eyes and the way that we perceive objects, um, well, we don't often see straight lines as straight. And that these, uh, you know, lovely rectangles that were so mathematically pure, well, of course, they looked fine in a drawing or in a model on one's, uh, you know, like table or in one's room. But as soon as it became the size of a room or larger, then, well, the uh, ancient Greek architects knew to cheat a little bit, to make the top a little bit narrower um, and raise up the middle of the floor, have it be a nice little curve, and, oh, uh, repeat that curve in the ceiling, um, depending on how large a scale your uh, architectural project is, you'll have to do some cheating. And so one of the first things that I learned about art is that, yes, that the perfect may have no place in the practical. And 
So yes, that is also something that uh, um, I kept in mind when I studied music theory. And when it comes to robots, that instead of um, you know assigning like all of the parameters, that uh, allowing some random number generator to kind of change at the edges of um, some particular parameter and allowing a little bit of, well, noise in the signal. Um, but in this case, what I wanted to talk about specifically was the example of swing. As a musician who doesn't play with any swing, um, plays every subdivision of the beat equally. And that, uh, um, and as it turns out, that one of the robots in my latest music, Solo, um, well, it worked out that, yeah, that, uh, that that person, robot, sorry, wouldn't swing at all, um, but that uh, when it came time to um, working with another um, robot, that if that if there was a little bit of swing or just a slight variation they would sound awful together. And so, yeah, two robot musicians who did not have the same amount of leeway in their swing would end up sounding really contradictory, um, where, you know, the idea of playing one note just a little bit longer than the other um, actually goes back to what Mozart described as rubato, where he would say that his left hand would be rhythmically precise playing an accompaniment, that his right hand, the melody, would sometimes fall behind or sometimes anticipate and the freedom and the fluidity of his melodies would have a lot more emotional impact than the idea of um, just maintaining the same rhythmic um, you know like uh, pulse throughout but of course that uh, um, contrasting that lively melody with a very you know straight and uh, straightforward accompaniment um, produced yet another type of feeling um, that wasn't totally free uh, and wild abandon the way that the romantics of later generations inspired by Mozart would then uh, you know extend their sense of aesthetic um, to get away from uh, so much of that structure that defined the music of the early enlightenment. Uh, some people call that the Rococo, uh, because interestingly enough, even during the uh, you know precision of the Rococo and the late Baroque musical period, there's also a contrasting Sturm und Drang that uh, was about you know wild, stormy, passionate, um, eruptive music. And so yeah, so music can convey a lot of things, and even robots can convey musical ideas. Um, and yes, they can even work together. But when I just recently worked with some music, and yes, that uh, the two uh, robotic drummer parameters weren't the same swing, then yes, they did not sound well together. And it worked out fine when one of the drummers had no swing, was playing everything straight. And in fact... Um, I believe that uh, uh, one of the most recent examples that I was talking about did just that, that the um, you know drummer was uh, very straight uh, with a lot of uh, syncopation as far as being off the beat, um, but no swing. However, the fills that the robotic drummer would attempt to uh, you know generate uh, in between segments, between sections, like at the close of a phrase, you know, a big flourish to uh, you know announce a new musical idea, well, without 
swing. It didn't sound right. And so, so even for one musician who um, in one track, uh, like last week when I said that I put musical ideas in tracks in GarageBand, one track can be set to have no swing. Um, and another instance of that same robotic drummer changing that so that um, the elements would have a swing, well, that made the fills and the fun, uh, you know, like uh, improvisatory-like passages before the cadence or close of a section um, sound a lot better than the examples that were straight without any swing whatsoever. Um, but yeah, that uh, um, so that is a you know a little take on robots and how they can swing, <laughs> which is something that uh, uh, that this party, this assembly, is definitely swinging here in Denver. And I'm about to get back into it. But please send any comments, ideas, your feedback about any music, request for other music to selfhelpforrobots.com. That's selfhelp number four robots.com and you could also find that link uh, through iTunes where you might be hearing this podcast or you might be visiting the website selfhelpforrobots.com and please that's the place where you can uh, find out more information about what this podcast does and and perhaps how you can support this podcast and uh, me CJ Pitchford your host who's about to go back and well uh, do my volunteer duties uh, for the Denver uh, Assembly Um, and I sure hope that uh, you're going to have a great day yourself. And as always, keep helping yourself.